Good morning, church. I'm glad you can be here with us, either in person or tuning in online. I'm going to open in a word of prayer, and then we're going to get right into God's word this morning. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for this day, thankful for each person uh, that either tuned in or showed up here live and in person. So I pray, Lord, that um, as we study your word, that we find encouragement through it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're in our series called Psalms of Encouragement. This is our winter series. And what we're going to do is we're going to study through eight psalms to encourage our hearts for the new year. So last week, if you remember, we studied Psalm 10. And we were encouraged by the truths of God or about God when we're around prideful people that can make it difficult for us and can discourage us in our walk with the Lord. So today what we're going to do is we're going to study through Psalm 16. Psalm 16. It's a Psalm of David and we're going to be encouraged by learning that true joy comes from being in the presence of God. True joy comes from being in the presence of God. Now this Psalm starts off with six things that the presence of the Lord offer us, and these things actually bring joy. So we're going to start off with the first, and that is the presence of God offers us protection. The presence of the Lord offers us protection. Now, verse 1 says this, Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. Now, we all want to feel safe in life, and that's why we do things in effort to keep ourselves safe. We want physical protection, so we lock our doors, so we have police forces, so we have military. We want financial protection, so we save and invest. We want emotional protection, so we guard ourselves from being around toxic people. But this verse is really talking about spiritual protection, which is something that many people fail to really think about or acknowledge they even need. So the truth is, spiritual protection is what brings joy. Now, I'm not saying physical, financial, emotional efforts of protection are bad. They're not bad at all. But we need to remember that these things will not result in joy that only God can bring. So David wrote Psalm 16 when he was being pursued by King Saul. And he full well knew that if the king was after you, you were as good as dead. So momentary protection would never bring the true joy that David was really looking for. But spiritual protection actually brings joy because we know that no matter what happens, we could take refuge in the Lord. No matter what happens, we could take refuge in the Lord. And David realized this. This is why many believers facing death during persecution or facing death during a terminal illness can actually still be joyful. And some wonder, how in the world can that person still have joy? Well, they're looking for refuge in the Lord. They're not looking for protection in other things. They realize that those things are fleeting and can, and can go away very quickly. They know that God is going to protect them because he is with them. They realize his presence. And that's what David did. The next presence of the, the, the next, the presence of the Lord offers blessing. Now the, the verse says this, I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. 
You are the Lord. I have no good apart from you. Now, the question is good. What is good, right? I guess good can be kind of relative depending on a person's situation, right? You take a starving child in a third world country and give him a bad cup of soup and a stale piece of bread, and that kid's going to say, this is good. This is good. My stomach is full. I was hungry, but now my stomach is full. But you, may, you and I may say, that's not good. I don't want a stale piece of bread and a bad cup of soup. Okay. Take a very wealthy person, and uh, they're used to a, maybe a very expensive car, and then you give them a certified pre-owned Toyota, and they may say, this is no good. But you and I may say, hey, that's pretty good. You know what? That's a nice car. It, it, it drives nicely, and it gets me from point A to point B. This is good. So you see, goodness and blessing can be kind of relative to our situation. Now, David is not talking about situational blessings. He's actually saying that without God, there is no good for him. Without God, there is no good for him. Basically, David is saying life is meaningless, purposeless, and even good things will not fill the void if he tries to live a life apart from God or if he is not in the presence of God or he is not focusing his attention on God. You know what? Most of you have probably come to the point in life where you have realized this. You really want something that you think is going to bring joy and it brings maybe a little momentary, momentary joy, but it wasn't exactly what you were looking for. It wasn't maybe as good as you expected, or it ended. You know, that happens with vacations. You look so much forward to this good vacation, and it's going to bring joy. And then the last day, you're leaving vacation. You're like, ah, oh, I had that, but now I've lost it. See, the reason for that is because the things of this world cannot meet our spiritual needs. The things of this world cannot meet our spiritual needs. So spiritually speaking, there is no spiritual good or spiritual blessings apart from the Lord. Because, because basically what's happening is you're not in the presence of God. So David is realizing that. He's realizing that. He's saying, apart from you, there is no good apart from you. Out of your presence, there's no real spiritual good. So the next, next pres the presence of the Lord offers this, fellowship. It says, as for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. Now, this is an interesting one, because although this psalm is about the presence of the Lord, the focus of this verse is on the presence of his people. Now, David's talking about finding joy in being around God's people. Now, being around God, God's people actually brings joy. This is why this pandemic has been so difficult for the church. Yeah, the church is financially fine. Yeah, people are hearing God's word and worshiping along. But not being around other people is not the way that God intended us to live. It's just not the way that God wants things. In fact, you remember when God created this whole world and when he created all the animals, when he created people, he said one thing was not good and that was for man 
to be alone. God designed us to be in fellowship with other people. So most of you at one time or another have probably felt the presence of God through his people. I know for me and my family and what we're going through with my son Tosh, it's been very difficult. But the love and the support we receive from this church reminds us of how important being a part of a church is. God's people actually remind us of God's presence. And even in a tough time, we can still experience joy through the fellowship of believers. Next, the presence of the Lord offers direction. It says this, the sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. Now in this verse, the focus is negative. The focus is negative. Rather than David saying the Lord provides direction, he tells us what does not provide direction. And that is chasing after false gods, running after false gods. You know, back when this was written, there were other people groups that had worship practices to other gods. They weren't real gods, they were false gods. David says that he's not going to get caught up in that. He's not going to get caught up in that. In fact, he is reminding us that those gods provide no real direction and end up increasing sorrows. Notice that the sorrows of those who run after another god shall multiply. So they're actually in, the, in their quest for joy, in, their, in, their, uh, in looking for joy. Basically, they're actually multiplying sorrows and not bringing joy. So the question for us is, what are some false gods that we can get caught up in that rob us of joy? Because they distract us from where real joy comes from, and that is the presence of God. So, of course, there's going to be false religions that can pull us away. But you know what? More commonly, we can make gods of things that we think will bring us joy. Okay, let me say that again. We can make gods of things that we think can bring us joy. Some of the big ones, money, right? We think if I only had this much, if I only had more of this, if I only got the raise, if I only had this in savings, if I only had this invested, that will bring me joy. Possessions, if I only had this possession, if I only had this car, this house, this thing, that will bring me joy. Power, if I only had the power, if I only had the promotion of the job, if people listen to me, if I was in charge, that will bring me joy. Status, if people looked at me a certain way, you know, this kind of spills into the social media world that we have, right? This status, this likes, this I want people to notice me and go to my page and, and like what I posted and said. Relationships, if I only had this relationship, then I would have joy. Education, if I only climbed the ladder and got this education or this degree, then I would have joy. And you know what? See, these are things that we can make gods of because we're looking for them to provide joy for us. See, none of these things are necessarily bad, but when we put them in a place in our life that they're supposed to bring joy that only God can bring, they actually start to control us. They actually start to annoy us. They actually start to confuse our direction. Confuse our direction. So here's what happens. God's presence 
provides direction for us. And when we have direction, guess what? We actually have joy. Next, the presence of the Lord offers an inheritance. It says, the Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in the pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. You know what David's saying, that the Lord is his chosen portion and his cup, and that the Lord holds his lot. This is a statement of obedience. This is a statement of obedience. It says, the lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. This is a statement of the Lord's work in his life. And the ultimate result of the Lord choosing is a future inheritance that he will enjoy for eternity. You know what? At the end of this day, at the end of the day, life is short. And the truth is, nothing that this world has to offer will compare to the heavenly inheritance that we as believers will enjoy. Nothing this world has to offer will compare to the heavenly inheritance that we as believers will enjoy. You know what? Let me tell you something that's very important about our heavenly home. It is a place, but it's really about being in the presence of God. It is a place, but it's really about being in the presence of God. Let me ask you a question. Would you rather be in a beautiful house with someone you can't stand or be in a dump with someone you love and enjoy their company? Would you rather be in a beautiful house with somebody you can't stand or would you rather be in a dump with someone you love and enjoy their company? I mean, ideally, right, what, what do we want? We want the beautiful house with someone we love and enjoy their company. Well, guess what? That's what heaven is. That's what heaven is. It's a place in the presence of Jesus. You see, the place, guess what? That's just the bonus. And when we look at the end of Revelation, we see this new heavenly city coming down and the dwelling place of God is within. The, the truth is, we don't focus in on the place as much as the dwelling of God is with us. The presence of God. So the Lord's presence is the joy. The place is just kind of like the icing on the cake, the little bonus. But being in the presence of the Lord, that's what brings true joy. Now, finally, the presence of the Lord brings counsel. It says, I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. So now he, he's saying this, I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night, my heart instructs me. We all need counsel, right? We all need instruction. We are daily faced with decisions, big and small. And many of those decisions we'll make, we'll make on our own. But some of those decisions will go and ask other people for instruction. But David looks to the Lord for counsel. He looks to the Lord for counsel. But notice where his instruction comes from. This is pretty interesting. It says, in the night also my heart instructs me. So his instruction comes from his heart. Now, what in the world is that all about? Because you've probably heard me even quote this. You've probably heard this. But the Bible says in Jeremiah 17, 9, it says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Some translations say desperately wicked. Who can understand it or who can trust it? 
So how does David trust his heart for instruction? He's going to counsel for the Lord with the Lord, and he trusts his heart for instruction. Well, I believe that the answer is David takes counsel from God's word. And in Psalm 119, 11, the Psalm that David also wrote as well, he states he has stored up God's word in his heart. He stored up God's word in his heart. So here's how it works for us as believers, like in real time for us as believers. We need counsel and instruction. So we study, read, and memorize God's word. We do this on a daily basis. We get into God's word on a daily basis. And you've heard us talk about, you know, doing your daily devotions, Bible in the year, all these different things. We do this on a daily basis so that we're storing up God's word in our heart. So when decision time comes, guess what? We're not like, okay, give me the Bible. I got it. No, when decision time comes, this is part of us. So now, at night, in this case, we pray to the Lord, and God will guide us in these decisions. And here's what happens, is he starts to, he starts to guide you in those decisions, and part of the way that you realize what the right decision is, because we all realize this, there's going to be decisions in your life where it's not, okay, if I do this, it's sin. If I do this, it's not sin. Sometimes the decisions are, are the decisions or the paths that you can take, neither of the paths or the two or three paths that you can take, none of them are sinful at all. It's just wondering, okay, what does God want me to do? Well, this is where your heart in some senses comes in because God will calm your heart and have you to realize this is what I want you to do, my child. This is the counsel for you. I love you. I care deeply about you. And you know what? Your heart's going to be calm in this situation now because you've decided to make this decision from my counsel. And guess what? When we do that, we make the godly and right decision and the result is joy. When we do this, Here's what we're doing. We're inviting God's presence into the situation and the decision. And guess what? When you do that, you have joy. So let's give a little recap here. God's presence offers protection, blessing, fellowship, direction, and inheritance and counsel. So what we're going to do next is this. We're going to ask this question. How do we enter into the presence of God? Well, the truth is we need to trust Jesus. The way that we enter into the presence of God is we trust Jesus. The beautiful gospel message that we talk about every single week here and we'll talk about every single week until the Lord brings us home or takes us all home by rapture, right? So the gospel message is this, that we are all sinners and we need a savior. His name is Jesus. He died on the cross to pay the price for our sins. Three days later, he rose again to prove that he is God. And the scriptures tell us this. All who believe or all who trust in Jesus will have eternal life. When we trust in Jesus, here's what he does. He gives us the Holy Spirit. So the Spirit comes and lives in us. So guess what? At this point, you are entering in to God's presence. So when you believe in Jesus, you have entered into God's presence. So the good news for the believer is when we enter into his presence, guess what? 
He never leaves us. Scriptures tell us that in the Old Testament and the New Testament. He never leaves us. So, technically, we are always in the presence of the Lord. So here's what I want to do. We're going to fast forward to the day of Pentecost, the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. This was the day that the Holy Spirit came from heaven and dwelt with all who believe. From that point in history on, all who trust in Jesus receive the Holy Spirit. That's us, right? We're on the other side of the day of Pentecost, the other side of the cross. See, in the passage, Peter was preaching to the religious leaders, the Jewish crowd that actually crucified Jesus. In his sermon, Peter quotes what David said in verses 8 through 11, which we're going to get to in a few minutes, of this psalm. And this is found in Acts chapter 2, verses 25 through 28. So the Jewish people knew that David wrote the psalm. God's spirit rested on David and indwelled God's anointed. Okay, so before, right, before the cross, here's what happened. Not every person who had faith in God had the Holy Spirit. That's why in John 14, Jesus told his disciples that the Holy Spirit would come and live with all believers. And that was something that was new and was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. So now Peter preaches this bold, amazing sermon. Couple thousand people, I think 3,000 people were added to the number. It was amazing that you know, all these people believed at this point. So there's two reasons I believe Peter quoted this passage in Psalm 16, verses 8 through 11, which we'll get to in a minute. The first is prophetic. In Acts chapter 2, verse 31, this is what Peter said. He said, David foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. So I want you to focus in on that last part, that he was not, Jesus was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. You'll see that in Psalm 16, verse 10, coincides with Acts 2, 32. So what was happening here is basically... Peter was using this psalm that these people would know to show them the prophetic nature that David was actually talking about the coming Messiah, Jesus. This was the second time in Acts 2 that it was a direct quote about how Jesus' body did not decay, and Peter was applying this to the resurrection of Jesus. Now, the second reason Peter quoted this psalm is he was using David as an illustration of the life that we have in God's presence through the Holy Spirit. Now, remember, at this point, this was the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit just came down. People were speaking in tongues in different languages that people were understanding. Gentiles, non-Jewish people were being saved. Everybody was like, what was going on? And Peter was like, well, here's what's going on. The presence of God is coming and dwelling with each believer. Just like the presence of God was on David, the Lord's anointed, that ch the chosen one. So now what I want to do is this. As we go through these final four verses from Psalm 16, in the back of your mind, remember those six things that God's presence offer us. Protection, blessing, fellowship, direction, and inheritance, and counsel. And you'll see through these four verses, you'll see all these things. 
lived out in the life of a believer in the presence of God. So life in God's presence. Verse 8 says this, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Because we have the presence of God, we have that protection. I will not be shaken. The next is verse 9. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. Here again, blessing, gladness. My flesh dwells securely. Here's that prophetic verse. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. This again is talking about Christ and the fact that his body would not decay. And then in verse 11, he says, you make known to me the path of life. Remember, this is counsel. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Here's what we're going to do. As we close our service this morning, the worship band learned a song by a Christian artist named Shane and Shane. They wrote this song based on Psalm 16. You'll recognize most of the lyrics because they're direct quotes actually from Psalm 16. And we're actually reminded this. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for this day. We're thankful, Lord, that we can all be in your presence and are all in your presence when we trust in you. Lord, I pray that we grab hold of that. We realize that in each day, in each hour of our lives, that you are with us. We never have to pray and ask you to be with us because we know that you are truly with us all the time. But so many times we ignore that and we look for joy in other places. But I pray, Lord, that we just dwell, we just are mindful and just realize that we need to settle our hearts and enjoy your presence because that's where true joy comes from. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.